Holy Spirit, move in our hearts and lives. Continually to do what you are designed to do. To bring health, healing, wholeness, deliverance to the earth. Through the name of Jesus Christ, for the will of the Father. So we thank you today that this is the day that you have made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Father, we thank you for the mind to be in your house. Thank you just for being saved. Thank you for your love that you have towards us, that all things are working together for our good. We pray for our nation. We pray for those who are sick and suffering, those who are oppressed of the enemy. We bind sickness and disease. We bind every virus, every plague, every attack upon the nation and upon the land. We plead the blood of Jesus. And Father, we trust in that name, the name that is above every name. And we give you praise, honor, and glory because you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. Father, we thank you for your grace, for your mercy, for your goodness towards us. Without you, we can do nothing. So we worship you today. We honor you knowing that you are the good shepherd, that you will provide for your children today. Thank you that every need that they have is met today. Every situation that they're in is being worked out for your glory. We thank you for deliverance. We thank you for strengthening their hearts and minds, their bodies, for healing, for recovery. We thank you for manifesting your promise and that every need is met in our lives. And we give you praise, Father, for your goodness and for your love. In Jesus' name, let the church say amen, amen. All right, you can have your seats. Let's get to the word of God today. Today we'll talk about the topic, amen, as we are believing God for all things to happen in our hearts and lives. So we're going to start the message today, which is stopping unbelief. Everybody say stop the unbelief. And really, that's about living by faith. But in the times we're living in, we got to be reminded. Paul says, I stir up uh, by way of remembrance, your pure mind. So we have to be reminded of the things of God. or We can we can forget them. We can let them slip. And, uh, you know, as believers, we are encouraged every week through the word of God. And of course, not just on Sunday, but also in your own personal life, your own prayer life, your own devotions. You know, that's a continual process as well. Uh, but we'll look at some scriptures today and we'll continue uh, to look at this, how God has given us the ability the power and the glory, of course, to walk in his plans and purposes for our lives. I mean, it was God's will for you to have the best. All right. I go to third John, epistle of third John, verse number two. And you've been hearing so many other things going on. How about some hearing from some faith today? Yeah. Amen. We hear everything else. I want to hear the word of God. Amen. I got to live by the word. I can't live by what people say. Amen. I got to live by what God says. So I have to be reminded. So. Uh, it's a good time to spend time in the word, the fellowship. Don't forget to pray in the Holy Spirit. But look at 3 John, verse 2, the epistle of 3 John, little book, verse 2. It says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health, even as what? Your soul prosper. Okay, so it's God's will that we are healthy, of course, and, you know, and prospering, but even as our soul prospers. But he wants us, everybody say, in good health. Okay, so he wants us, our bodies taken care of, to walk in his plans and purposes. So salvation is threefold, spirit, soul, and body. Now look at the epistle of 1 John as well. Go to chapter 5. The epistle of 1 John chapter 5. And we're talking about uh, stopping unbelief. Amen. And that's what we're going to focus on for this, this Sunday and next Sunday. And again, we're using our abbreviated services, but uh, we can get the job done. Amen. 1 John 5, 4. It says here, for whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the what? Victory that does what? So overcoming the world is everything that's in the world, that's coming at you from the world, that you're being attacked by from the world. And it's not just, you know, what we call, you know, sin or temptation. It's thoughts and ideas, you know. And when we talk about unbelief, we're going to begin to see that unbelief is the spirit. And just like the spirit of faith. So look at this. So he says here, he says here for whatsoever is born of God, are we born of God? Yeah. Okay, so as Christians, what are you supposed to do? Doesn't matter what's going on in the world. And a lot of times if we aren't, you know, reminded of this, we'll forget that we're supposed to be suffering like, you know. And I'm not saying we, we don't get attacked. We're in the natural world. The earth is falling. So, you know, our bodies get attacked like everybody else's. But uh, we still have the victory. So even if you are the attack, you still got to claim victory. <laughs> you got to still speak the word. Amen. Because uh, your outcome is different because you're born again. So I want you to be reminded this morning that you overcome whatever's in the world. Somebody say hallelujah. See, we can't be born again and think like sinners. We can't be in fear, doubt, you know, what's going to happen next. I'm going to tell you what's going to happen next. The blessing of God is going to keep on rolling. <laughs> the book has not changed. Now, the world has changed and things are happening. I mean, we're wise. We use precautions, all that. But it doesn't change your future. Amen. Jesus is still coming. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. You still need to repent be born again. 
you still need to pray in the Holy Spirit. You still need to come to, you know, Lord, worship God and do different things. So God's plan for salvation has not changed because things happen in the world different. So this is what the Bible says. As believers, our job, and of course, this is what he says here. Uh, this is the victory that overcomes the world, even what? All right, so how do we overcome in this world? Faith in God, okay? So you don't win by any other way. So no matter what happens, what is your main assignment as a believer to keep your what? Faith. That's it. So that's your assignment. It's not the pastor's job. It's not the church's job. It's your job. Amen. Every day you have to keep your faith. Every day you got to feed your faith. You have to pray. That's why we talk about Bible study, praying in the Holy Spirit. Why? You have to keep your faith so you can keep overcoming. The moment you stop walking by faith, you start losing. And again, it's not that you're not going to make it to heaven, but you can have fun on earth until you get to heaven. Amen. We're supposed to experience joy in this life and also the world to come. So he says, there's one key as believers we have to be reminded of that helps us to win in every situation. Everybody say that's our faith in God. Okay. Now he says, we overcome the world by what? Our faith. Okay. So let's say Okay. Go to Hebrews 11, 6. And we're laying the foundation on, because we have to stop the unbelief. But first we've got to know how to stop it. Faith stops it. Amen. Faith removes unbelief. Amen. And we begin to see here Hebrews eleven six. It says, but without faith, it is impossible to what? Okay. So what is God looking for? He's not looking at your paycheck. He's not looking at your income. He's not looking at where you live or what you drive or what you wear. God's not interested in physical things. Now, he loves you to have the best. But uh, what he's looking at first is your heart. And what does he want in your heart? Everybody say the faith. All right. So it says, without faith, it is impossible to what? Okay, so what is, how do we please God? By faith, okay. So nothing else, and again, other things are good, but when I give, I give in faith. When I pray, I pray in what? Faith. When I love, I love by faith. Everything in God is by faith, so whatever I'm doing without faith, it won't please me. Right? So this is what God requires. So it says, he, but without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God. So he's making a conditional statement that if I come to God, here's the requirement. Now, we don't have to come to God. He wants us to. He wants all men to be saved to be born again. But he's not forcing anyone to come to him. But here's what he says. If you come to me, he says, whosoever comes to God must underline the word must believe. Underline it, highlight it, wherever you got in your books or Bibles, iPads, iPhones, Androids. <laughs> but it says here, so when I come to God, what, what, the, what do I do? have to do? All right. So now this is the thing that a lot of people have to, uh, they think religiously, you know, I come to God, it's just me, you know, it's like almost, I'm here in church, God ought to be happy. You know, uh, you know but when we do something script, I gave to the poor, the Lord ought to be happy. Because we do good things, so and good things are okay, but without what? It doesn't mean God. Right? So I'm, I'm trying to identify so you can understand the importance of faith in God. And then when we talk about unbelief, you'll see how it's totally opposite. Right? So it says here, uh, but without faith, it is impossible to what? Please God. For he that comes to God must believe that he is a what? Okay. So if I come to God, I must believe. Right? Everybody say number one. I must believe. Okay. Look at the word and, A-N-D. Right? So, number one, I must believe. Okay? And this is what people, you know, they believe God, but they don't believe he wants to bless them. They believe he want to beat them down, you send off, you know, something happened when you were six years old, and, you know, something happened when you was a teen, that God's paying you, that's why it happened to you. You know, and when negative things happen, people always equate it to their sins. Now, I'm not saying there are repercussions for our sins, but when you come to God, he's not dealing with you after your sins. Amen. So when I come to God, number one, I got to believe he's God. Okay. He is the great I am. He's for love, grace, power. He is a forgiving God. Psalms 103. He forgives not some of your sins, but what? All your sins. And he forgives me from all of my what? All my necklaces and heals all my diseases. Okay. So he forgives and heals. So sin is not an issue with God. So when I come to God, it's not like I got to focus on sin. I can confess my sins, First John, Epistle First John chapter 1 verse 9. If I confess my sins, he's faithful just to do what? He'll forgive me of my sins, and then he'll do what? All right, he'll take away the desire of me wanting to sin. 
See, true repentance is not just saying I'm sorry. True repentance is turning away from my sin. Somebody say how to do you. You know, a lot of people are sorry. They sorry they got caught. <laughs> Don't mean they want, you know, <laughs> you know, police catch you, somebody, your wife, husband, catch you, you know, yeah, you sorry. I, I guess you would be sorry. You should be. That's a, that's a human act. Right? I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, but that doesn't cause them to repent. And because we say we sorry doesn't mean repentance. See, when we look at the Bible, and this is what I love about God. God's a loving God. But see, the scriptures sometimes conflict with our, you know, human reason. Because people cry with crocodile tears. You know, I, I, I don't know what happened to it. That devil's alive. Then he started bringing up the devil. <laughs> the devil can't control the believer. No, he'll tempt you, he'll lead you, you know, he'll try to call, you know, he can't control you, but he'll, he'll put the trap out there, you know. Uh, but like Samson was laying down with Delilah, he kept going into the trap. Somebody say hallelujah. So we have our will. Everybody say, I have a will. All right. So we got to understand that God is a forgiving God. So sin's not an issue. So we got to believe he wants to reward. Here's what he says, Hebrews eleven six. But without faith, it is impossible to what? Please him, but he who comes to God must believe. So here's the part with you. Number one, everybody say, I must believe. All right. So this is what he said. And number two, he's a reward. Come on, say, God is a reward. All right. So it's two things he wants. He wants my faith because my faith causes him to move on my behalf. And then number two, my faith causes me to be blessed. There's nothing in this verse about punishment. But most people come to God with a different sense of reality, like God's after. God's not after you. He's trying to bless you. He loves you. So God's all about restoration. He's about health, healing, and wholeness. So here's the part we begin to see. So it says, without faith, it is impossible to please him. But he that comes to God must believe that he is every, must believe, and that he is a rewarder of them that what? Okay, so when I come to God, what is he going to, everybody say, I'm going to believe God, and I'm going to be blessed. That, that's what we want to focus on. I'm going to believe God. I'm going to be blessed. So that's the faith of God. Look at 2 Corinthians 4, 13. We read this before, I think, a couple weeks ago. But let me read it again. Everybody say, stop the unbelief. Yeah, we're going to stop the unbelief from what we hear, what we see. Second Corinthians 4, 13. And since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believe, therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. So everybody say the spirit of faith. Okay. So we begin to see faith is a what? Spirit. Okay. So it's based on the word of God. Go to Romans ten seventeen. You know this by heart, but let's look at it again. And we can take our time, relax. Amen. Then you go home and relax some more. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Unless you're going to take out all the restaurants you shut, you know, that other take out. But that's good. People need to spend time with their family. I'm not saying it's not good what's happening, but I mean, the result is you can turn it into something good. What they meant to be evil, you turn it into something good. Amen. Spend time with your family, pray in the spirit, build your plans, you know. What about your future? You go, what I'm going to do in two months, three months? Put down your long term, short term, big term goals. Do some finance budgeting. Some of you that never had time to do a budget. <laughs> now's the great time pull out the financial piece so then, all right, let's talk about this money so we won't be arguing next week amen alright so look at this uh, it says here Romans uh, ten seventeen. so then faith comes by what hearing. hearing and hearing by what okay so we see that faith is a spirit the Bible talks about the spirit of faith but then faith comes by what hearing, hearing okay so it's part of the word of God. So when you have the word of God, you have the faith of God, okay? And this is what's important because if we're going to live, we're going to live by the faith of God, right? Alright, go to Galatians 2.20 And I'm just laying a foundation as we move forward so we can begin to see the importance. Galatians chapter 2 verse number 20 Paul's talking to the Galatian church. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I live, which I now live in the flesh, I live by the what? Faith in the what? Son of God. All right. We live by the faith in who? Son of God, who loved me and gave himself what? 
for me. Okay, that's the blessing, that's the reward. So everybody shall live by faith. Alright, go to 2 Corinthians 5 7. These are foundational scriptures on the importance of faith. We go to stopping unbelief. We'll see why it's so important to have the faith of God. So 2 Corinthians 5 7, many you know it by heart, but the Bible says, We walk by faith and not by what? Okay. So faith and the word of God are synonymous. Wherever you see faith, it comes from the word of God. Faith is in God. Okay. So faith and the word of God are hand in hand. As Apostle Price says, it's the wet with the water. You can't have one without the other. So if I have faith, I have to have a scripture. I'm not in faith if I don't have a word from God. And people say, oh, I'm in faith. I'm believing. Well, what scripture are you standing on? See, if you don't have a scripture, you're not in faith. And that's the difference. You're in hope. You Hebrews 11 and 1. Faith is the what? Substance of things what? Hope for. So hope is the goal. So I can have a goal. But if I don't have the word of God, it's not coming to pass. And a lot of times people are waiting on God. They're waiting on God because they're not in faith. It's a nice expression. Oh, I'm waiting on the Lord. I'm, whenever God gets ready, he's going to move. He's already moved. Somebody say how they do. He moved 2,000 years ago. Matter of fact, he sat down and said it is finished. So we're not waiting on God. God's waiting on us to act on what he's already given us. Okay. And go to Ephesians 1, 3. While we're at it. This is good. So when we're in faith, again, this is all about living for God. But if we're in faith, everybody say, if I'm in faith, I need a scripture. All right. So that scripture, the logos, as I live it, as I breathe it, say, you know, praying the spirit, all of a sudden it becomes rain. It becomes alive. So the word has to be quickened to you. Right. I can all the scriptures you read are are the word of God. They're written. Therefore, in learning and instruction and comfort. But it's got to live in you because you can say I shall live and not die. Declare the works of the Lord. But you got to believe. Amen. Amen. Because sometimes we'll just repeat things like a pair. All my needs are met. 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 But you don't believe. Because if you believe all your needs are met, you wouldn't be arguing about money. I got one hallelujah. <laughs> I mean, if you believe all your needs are met, you wouldn't be worried. See, if I believe the scripture, I rest in peace. No, I'm living it. I'm going about my way. If I believe what God said, why am I staying up all night? Why would I argue about the money if we don't have enough? Hallelujah. Why would I be concerned if by his stripes I'm here, what's going on in the world? Now, I'm not saying we don't take precautions, you know, and we aren't careful, but I'm not afraid. The Bible says, as he is, so are we in this world. Would Jesus be afraid? Okay, so are we like Jesus? Before you answer the next question, put your seatbelt on. <laughs> Do you have the same spirit he's got? Okay, so he wasn't afraid, was he? Okay, so why should Christians be afraid? I'm not saying you're you're here. I mean, I'm not saying that whether you're here or not. I'm just saying it's it's not about fear; it's about faith. Yeah. And there are times you have to make precautions based on your situation, circumstances. So I'm not saying not use wisdom, but I'm saying I can use wisdom, and I can you know maybe not be here, but I'm not home in fear. Amen. See, if I'm home, it's because of situation I need to make adjustments or what have you. But it's not because I'm afraid to come out my house. Amen. See, you can't move in fear. And this is why we're we're talking about stopping the fear. See, when you start moving in fear, you're out of the faith of God. You can't quote promises in fear. And a lot of times, see, we we just, and I want you to get to the point you believe what you say. And what you say comes to pass. I don't want you just quoting scriptures and it doesn't even stick to you. You know, like it's a living word. The Bible says man should not live by bread alone, but by what? Every word that proceeded out of the mouth. It's living by the rhema word, the word breathed on you. And you can't live by somebody else's faith. You got to live by your own faith. Habakkuk said they just shall live by his faith or her faith. You got to live by your own faith. Which means if you don't develop it, you're going to be coming up short and then you're going to put pressure on other folks. And they're, they're not going to be able to meet the needs that you have. Only God can meet all your needs. You didn't get married to get all your needs met. Contrary to what they tell you, nobody can make you happy but God. Somebody say hallelujah. <laughs> Alright, so this is what we begin to see. Uh, the importance of faith. And we talk about the faith in the Son of God. We live by that faith. Where did I tell you to turn? Ephesians 1, 3. Thank you, okay? Amen. I got so many scriptures going in my head right now. My Lord, I got to slow down. Ah, glory to God. Amen. I mean, oh, the brain's greater than the computer. 
Okay, Ephesians 1, 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now look at this. Who has what? Okay, so is God going to bless you? No. No, no. Just looking at this guy. I know he is. He's going to continue to bless you. I got you. Amen. But in this particular verse, <laughs> he's always going to keep blessing you. But in this verse, I want you to see the past tense phrase because that states that there's some things that have already been done. And we look at the book of Ephesians, you're looking at your inheritance. So all the, you know, it's amazing how many prayers and verses that are in this chat, you know, in this book. But it's coming from the perspective of what God has already given you. Right? And that's why you read the epistles, because it talks about what you already got. Like when we talked about Philippians 4, 19, my God shall supply what? Right? He's going to, he's already done. Okay? He's already provided in your riches in Christ, in Christ Jesus. Riches and glory in Christ Jesus. So Ephesians 1, 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has what? Okay. Has God already blessed you? Alright? Now, what has he blessed you with? All, right. All spiritual blessings with? Okay. Now, why does he use the term spiritual blessing? Because everything in the natural was created by the Spirit first. You are a product of two spirits coming together. I mean, they had a physical body, but they were spirits. Right? Nothing is created, as we see the Bible says, Ephesians, uh, Hebrews 11, 3. The world was built by the word of God. So things which are seen were not made of things which what? Do appear. So if I want something in my life to exist, I get spiritual substance, the word of God, and I begin to create the world I want to live in. I create the body I want to live in. I create the lifestyle I want to live in because of the word of God. I can build what I desire to build. See, if you have faith in God, you can overcome this world. There's nothing that can hold back a child of God. When you know your rights as a believer and you stop the fear, you stop the unbelief, that doubt from coming in your heart, you'll have what you say. You're in control. You can live, be what you want to be. <laughs> the Bible says, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through what? So he strengthened you, the anointing that's in you, okay? So go to Mark 11, and this is a favorite verse, many of you know it by heart, but let's read it again. Oh, glory to God. God wants you to have the best. We started off by saying he wishes above all things that you prosper, be in health, even as what? All right. So it's, it's God's will. He's already paid the price for you to have everything. Yes. Right. But we have to agree with God's word and we have to walk by faith. And we talked about before. Faith is the victory that what? OK, so we overcome Mark 11. Now, you know this. We talked about it before. I'm just going to go right down to verse 22. Mark eleven twenty two. it says, Jesus answering and said unto them, and of course the background is he cursed the fig tree, no man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. His disciples heard it, the tree, and the next day, hey, master, the tree you cursed, it's dead, it's gone, dried up from the roots, okay? And then they said, well, Jesus answered, how did it happen? Okay, everybody say, how did it happen? All right, so you look at people who are blessed and what God's raising up, people heal testimonies, you know. You can, you know, be an example, live a testimony for God, and people will say, how did it happen? And here's what Jesus answered and said, verse 22, have faith in God. How do things disappear from your life that you don't want? How do things come in your life that you desire? Same answer, okay? So if you want things to leave your life, what are you going to have to do? You want things to come into your life, including your spouse, your new spouse, those who want to get married? <laughs> it's not based on your age. What is it based on? See, it's not based on how many men are available. All you need is one. Somebody say hallelujah. I tell you, when I start believing, I'm going to have what I said. <laughs> hey, man, I don't care if I was on a desert island, my brother, all by myself. <laughs> and I was single. If I wanted a spouse, God's going to send her in. Not going to be on the lonely island by myself. My point is, you can believe God no matter your condition. Right? But see, the thing is, what are you going to say if you're on that island by yourself? Well, ain't no, ain't no men around here, man. I tell you every time I look at the left or right. This is lonely. I don't know. I'm going to go pray in the spirit. If, if I say if I was single. Thank God I'm married. I don't have to worry about that. Amen. And if my wife was with me, I'd call her in. Father, I call my wife to come here from the north, south, east, and the west. I'm talking about you got to live by faith, man. Faith, 
you know, it, it, my point is, you'll have what you say. So look at this. It says, Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. Verse 23. For verily I send to you, whatsoever things, now here's the key, whatsoever you shall say unto this mountain. Okay? So faith speaks to the mountains. Yeah. Right? Everybody say, faith calls those things, which be not as though they are. That's Romans 4, 17. So faith talks. It speaks. The world was created by the words of God. God said something. He didn't just sit there, mm, I'm thinking about it. No, God said, I know what I want. This is my world. The devil brought destruction, but I'm going to redeem it. God said, I'm going to have a family again. See, when you desire to have a family, it changes the words you speak. It'll redirect your focus. It's kind of like when people first get married and they're by themselves, they're kind of like selfish, look at what they want to do until they have a kid. And then when they get kids, all of a sudden they start maturing. Because <laughs> they got another mouth to feed. <laughs> all of a sudden now, life gets serious. And why? Because now you got responsibility. And now you understand the responsibility of a family. It's not just, you know, we were, my wife and I, now we got kids, now we got raise the kids, now we got to educate the kids, now we got to provide. So all of a sudden now, life gets bigger, right? And then how many know? You start enjoying the family orientation, knowing that you are responsible to create. Everybody say having a family is fun. Yeah, it's fun. It's design. God loves family. So what did he do? He said, I want my family back. So he had a desire. Number one, faith starts with what you hope for. So faith is the substance of things what? So you got to have a desire or a goal or a dream that you want to come to pass. See, faith is for what I don't presently see or have. Faith is not for what I see. How many see me by faith standing up here? Good, I'm glad you didn't raise your hand. I didn't <laughs> Why don't you see me by faith? I'm here, I'm praying. You don't have to have faith to see me this morning. Amen. Because you see, you know, I'm tangibly here. I'm in front of you, right? But how many have to have faith for your house right now? Can you see your house right now? I mean, in the imagination, you have a thought idea. But uh, you got to know by faith when you get home, it's still there. <laughs> right? Why do you have to have faith? Because it's not presently with you. All right, here's the word, here's the Bible, what it says. Hebrews 11, 1. Faith is the substance of things what? Hope for, okay? Faith causes my goals, hope, dreams to come to pass. But notice, faith is substance. It's, it's tangible. Faith is real. Faith is not superficial. It's not religious. Faith is the word of God. Jesus is substance. So, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence. Everybody say, faith is evidence. All right. So if, if the policeman pulls you over uh, because you were going too slow, I'm not going to say you were going too fast speed, but let's say you are going too slow, and they want identification, uh, what is the usual form of identification you get the police officer? Drive any insurance, right? Okay. Now, why do they need your driver's license? Okay. Everybody say it's evidence of who you are. Right? They don't. They don't know where you were born. You could tell them this or that. They didn't ask for your birth certificate. They asked for a driver's license because the driver's license gives them evidence of who you are, and the picture should look like you. Because <laughs> it's a similar image of what you actually look like. Right. So my faith is the evidence. It is a picture of what I believe. So when I say by his stripes I'm healed, I already see myself healed. Because I have a picture of the evidence of what God promised. I put it in my heart, I confess it with my mouth, and the image grows until I have what the Bible says is on the inside of me. So I keep repeating the evidence, by your stripes I'm healed, I believe all my needs are met, until the picture on the inside looks like the picture in the word of God. And with most people, they start off, I believe, I believe but they, they don't, they, they're not consistent in what they believe. They let unbelief come in and it stops the picture from developing. And so they got a half a picture. But if you want the whole picture, spirit, soul, and body, you're going to have to live by faith until all of a sudden your life looks like the word of God. 
And it's up to us. You have, everybody say, I have the power. All right, look at verse 23. For verily I say to you, whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever what? Not what the doctor says, not what the news says. You're going to have what you say. So you can't go around saying, I'm going to get sick. You can't go around saying, I'm old. No, I'm the healed of the Lord. I'm experienced. <laughs> it's like going on a job. I've been on that job for 20 years. So I've been experienced on that job. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's how you look at things. How do you say things? You know, what do you really believe? And that's why you got to you got to talk to yourself and you got to speak the word because the word will give you confidence of what God has promised. So notice what he says, verse I send to you, whosoever shall say to what? OK, so should faith be talked about or released? OK, so if I want something, I got to call it right. All right. Be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He's going to have whatever he does. What? Saith, okay? Now notice the term Old English saith is a continuum. I have to continue to confess until it manifests. Now it's already done in the spirit. I'm waiting for it to manifest in the natural. Remember, there's worlds invisible and invisible. So in the spirit, I start out, but then I'm going to see it in the natural, okay? But everybody say, stay in faith. Look at verse 24. Therefore, I say unto you, whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall what? Okay, so from the moment I pray until it manifests, I stay in faith. Right? And everybody say until it manifests. All right, so the plan of God is going to come to pass, okay? But I have to believe. Go to Romans 4. Romans 4. Verse number 17. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Romans 4, 17. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed, even God, who quickens the dead. And God does what? Calls those things which be not as though they already existed. Okay. So everybody say, God acts like it's already done. He's not waiting to see it. Because he says, when I say it, it's done. Right? Jesus healed the ten lepers, says, go show yourself to the priest. The Bible says, as they went, they were healed. But God saw them healed the moment Jesus said, go show yourself to the priest. How do I know that? Because you can't go to the priest until you're healed. <laughs> so the moment he said it, in the mind of God, it was already done. So the moment you pray, everybody say, it's already done. See, that's why I said 11, 24, Mark, when you pray, that's when the exchange takes place. So when I get up from prayer, I praise God that it's already done. No matter what I see, what I feel, taste, smell, or hear, I don't go by my senses. I go by the word of God. I'm not moved by what I see. I'm not moved by what I hear. I'm only moved by what God says because that's how faith works. Somebody say hallelujah. And you got to train yourself. I mean, it's not overnight, but it's a lifestyle you're going to develop yourself in. So, you know, give yourself some patience, work with yourself until you develop that level where you want to be. Somebody say how to do it. All right. Look at Romans 4, 17. God calls those things which be not as though they are. Verse number 18. Who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of what? Many nations. According to that which is spoken, so shall thy seed be. And being not what? All right. He was not weak in what? Okay, so you can be weak in faith, but you don't have to be. Now, how do I become weak in faith? Now, he's going to describe this here. Pay attention. This is good. Okay. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his what? So the moment you consider your body or your senses, you become weak in faith. Being strong in faith is not considered the senses. Being weak in faith is when I look at the checking account and say, Lord, I don't know how I'm going to pay my bills. See, you weaken your faith by what you consider. And when you consider your body, you consider your age, you consider what the doctor said, you're considering everything that's a lie. None of those things are telling you truth. There's only one truth in this universe. And his name is Jesus. The Bible says, Jesus said, I am the way I am 
the truth, okay? I am the what? The lie. So there's only one. There's not many truths. So don't listen to the world. Oh, you can come to God any way you want. You got to come to God the way he said come. You got to come by faith. You just can't present yourself. God's not obligated to accept us. Who are we? They could demand something from God. Amen. He sets the rules. All right. So my point is, it's not what we say. It's according to what God says. Okay. And this is very important because when we understand that, then we can start living by faith. Okay. Living by faith is living by the word of God only. Come on. Now we have a physical body. We got to use common sense. But I'm saying when I make my decisions is the word first. So it determines who I'm going to marry. See, you know, a lot of people are, I'm going to pray. Well, you got to pray, but don't forget the scriptures. Because you can be deceived if you don't know the word of God. A lot of people have prayed and they went by their spirit or what they thought, but it wasn't the Holy Spirit. How many really wanted something real bad and you prayed and heard yes? <laughs> you know, anyway, Lord, is that you? You just heard what you wanted to hear. Went on about your way. <laughs> You're not waiting on God. You were so what you wanted when God. So the ice cream went no far. You know, when God, you know, whatever you want to see, went and bought it. Uh, but my point is, when we're talking about the serious things in life, uh, you got to hear God. Somebody say hallelujah. Because everything shine is not gold. And you don't know what's in somebody's heart. Like, everybody looks the same. Somebody could be looking prosperous. Boy, I know they say. You don't know if they say. <laughs> First thing I told my daughter, for you date, what church do they go to? Are they saved? Got real quiet. Hallelujah. I don't give out my number to anybody. You know, if I was my wife, you know, whatever. When we were dating, she's the only one, you know, we were courting at that time. But I saw her in church. You know, she was praying. And, of course, she was a pastor's daughter, but that didn't mean anything. That had no credence for me. So I said, hallelujah. Okay, she was the president's daughter. Is she saved? Because I want to marry a saved woman. I need help. <laughs> and a sinner can't help me. I'm coming to church, they going to the club, it ain't going to work. So I said, Hallelujah. I need somebody to love God. The Bible said, how can two walk together? Amos 3, 3, except we be in agreement. So I'm looking for agreement. But my point is, I wasn't just, you know, praying for what I wanted. I want the will of God. Because God knows the future. See, what we're looking at, well, they look good right now. But boy, that could change. <laughs> and I'm not talking about physical body. I'm talking about the mind and the heart of people, you know. Uh, when, sometimes when people don't have a lot, they're more happy. You know, you got to marry somebody that's going to stay humble. So when you really blow up and get blessed, they don't change. You were fine when you were working at job 10, 12 hours an hour. When they could control you. Now you're a multimillionaire. They're trying to tell you what to do. <laughs> you better obey God. Because the Bible says, what would it profit you to gain the whole world and what? You know, and that's the key. Our soul is more important. So when you marry, marry based on your soul. Don't marry based on finance. Now, the person should be able to provide for you, you know, at the lifestyle you met him at. So if you met him, he was working at McDonald's and he had a one bedroom apartment, be happy. Don't go pressure him to go buy a house. Somebody say hallelujah. What you see is what you get. I don't know why people think they're going to turn something into something else that wasn't there when the first we first saw it. Uh, wait till I get it. I'm going to turn him into a real man. No, nah, you ain't going to change him. The world has tried. <laughs> if he don't want to change, he's not going to change. And one of the things you got to learn, I don't know why I'm talking about marriage, but anyway, somebody's been praying. Uh, but here's the key. You can't control another human being. So get used to that. You can control kids until they get a certain age. Sit down, turn off that TV, get to bed. <laughs> but when you get married, you can't, you can't tell a grown woman what to do. And she got her own money, her own car. She's independent. You don't need you to pay the bill. This thing is 1940. 
See, you ain't the only one bringing home the baby. <laughs> he can bring home my own baby. <laughs> so you got to say, what is my, well, what's the purpose? The purpose is to be the head of the house. See, if you base it on the world system, then you lose your value because you think it's all about money. God never structured marriage on economics. Somebody say hallelujah. He structures marriage based on responsibility. He runs this family like he runs the church. There's got to be one head in the church. And the Bible says as husbands, we ought to love our wives as Christ what? All right. And gave ourselves for. So getting married is sacrifice. Man, the moment you say I'm married, you have given up a lot. And if you haven't given up a whole lot, you aren't really married. You just wearing a ring or something. Getting friends benefits. <laughs> yeah, you just want the benefit, but you're not really committed. Because when you're really married, you're taking serious. Now, I'm not saying it's not about perfection. You're going to have issues. But my point is, everybody say, give it your all. all right? And that's the faith of God. So understanding that I don't have to, you can't control another person. So how do I live? Everybody say, I get married by faith. All right? So if you live by faith for your salvation, you're going to have to be married by faith. In other words, you're going to have to trust God for your spouse. Just like you trust God for your kids. But you're going to have to have the word of God. And this is why you got to marry someone that's equally yoked. Everybody say equally yoked. They need to be spiritual like you, committed like you. And if they're not, don't go down that road. Amen. Hold on to your pants. <laughs> All right, look at verse number 19. Romans four nineteen. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about what? All right, so his plumbing wasn't working. Couldn't reproduce. But God said this time next year, you're going to have what? Okay, did Abraham believe God? Yeah, we see here. But now look at the process as he was believing God. Notice the difference though. He was believing God, but look what he says. He considered not. We become weak in faith when we consider circumstance. When we consider our bodies. Your body lies to you. Amen. It's not the truth. It's a fallen, you know, uh, human body. But my point is we've been redeemed from the curse, but we got to speak life into this body. All right. Your financial condition lies to you. You don't base what God tells you to do was on based on what's in the account. Somebody said how to do it. <laughs> uh, we, t- we talked about a couple weeks ago. Jesus said, I need a new donkey. Did he say check with the treasurer first? No, he said, go down there in the way and meet. There's two men going to meet you. Tell them the Lord has needed that donkey. When I need something, I need something. And what I need is not based on what's in my account. What I need is based on what's in Jesus' account, according to his what? Riches and glory, okay? So when I'm in faith, I'm going to declare the word of God. Here's what he says. I consider not my own body. He did. Now did when he was about how old? Okay. He was 100 years old. God said, you're going to have a son. Abraham could not look at his body. The doctor says you're sick. Don't look at your body. Now, monitor it, you know, take your measurements, you know, vitals and all that. Eat right nutrition. I'm not saying don't, don't consider it now. But I'm saying healing doesn't come because of what the doctor says. Healing is first spiritual, then it manifests in the night. Right? Here's what he says. He considered not his own body when he was about 100 years old, neither the deadness of what? Okay, so he had to not look at two bodies. His body was which was past, you know, the point of pre-reproduction. And then her body was past the point of childbirth. But yet God says you're going to have a promise. Now, can God lie? Okay, so the moment God says, I'm going to have a child or I'm going to be a more, you know, blessed multi-millionaire, I'm going to be healed, I'm, I'm going to have, you know, franchises around the United States of America, around the world, I'm going to be, a, you know, have hotels, restaurants, resorts. Y'all not excited about that, okay. Uh, how about being the head and not the tail? How about own instead of work? Time to own some of these restaurants and hotels and resorts, amen? And then we can employ the whole church. Multiple churches, amen. Uh, how about owning some airlines? Instead of waiting to get a seat, I own the thing. <laughs> Somebody say hallelujah, amen. 
But my point is, so does God make promises based on your circumstance? No. He tells a hundred year old man, a 90 year old woman, you're going to have a child. What? <laughs> and it was so funny. Sarah said, you mean I'm going to have pleasure in my old age? The Bible says she laughed at it. <laughs> he talking about, talking about I'm going to have pleasure this old now, 90 years old. That was a lie. She couldn't see coming, no baby coming out of her womb at 90. <laughs> she wasn't trying to wreck her body. But God said. Everybody say, but God said. See, when God says things, it redirects your focus. And because God said it, I'm now a participant in changing the world I'm a part of. See, God's promises are not just for you. It's about generations to come. We are now the children of Abraham by faith. Jesus is the seed of Abraham. Why? Because Abraham got in faith based on what God said. And here's my point. It was a rhema word. It wasn't just saying, I'm a hundred years old. Let me see if I can have a baby. Come on, Sarah. They weren't trying to have a baby. God said, everybody say God said. So when it comes from God, it's a rhema word and it's going to come to pass. But God just needs my participation to get in agreement with what he said because he came up with the idea. I mean, God wants to make you rich. I don't think you understand. I'm talking about real rich. I'm talking about so rich, you can finance other kids' educations. I'm talking about so rich, you come in here, we paying off car notes, mortgages, debt freedom, amen. I'm talking about vacations for the whole church. See, I'm talking about dream beyond the now. I'm talking about where there's an abundance of resources for those who love God. Amen. So God gave a rhema word, so guess what? He could change the future of this world. The Bible says we've been redeemed from the curse, Galatians 3, 13 and 14, that the blessing of Abraham might come on us. Well, how did Abraham get blessed? He believed God. And then God says, this time next year, I got good news, you're going to have a child. And it's not any child, it's going to be the child of promise. And you don't have to do anything, Abraham, because it's going to come through your own body. But I'm 100 years old. But I'm 90 years old. I don't have education. I don't have enough money. I don't. I live over here. What about my parents? Fool me on all that. <laughs> and people got all these reasons. Well, the Lord would want to use it, but but I don't have this and I don't have that. Moses said, "I can't speak." God said, "Who made your mouth?" Everybody say, stop the unbelief. See, every point God wants to change the world, he's looking for participants because he can't do it without you. That's why he needs your faith to get in partnership with his word so we can change the world and make it the way he desires it to be. But when he comes to us, we got to be in agreement. We got to be open to God's plan for our life. And his plan will redirect your ideas. God said, you're going to have a child, it redirects him, okay? And of course, Gideon, you know, God comes and says, I'm going to deliver you from the enemy, you know, from those who are oppressing you, right? And he says, well, I'm the, I'm the poorest in my family. I don't care about where you come from. Moses on the backside of a mountain? Killed Egyptians? He's a fugitive? God said, I need you. Somebody say, I and not only do I need you, but I'm going to anoint you. And guess what I'm going to send you? <laughs> right back where you ran from. <laughs> Whoa, Lord, hold on. Is that you? <laughs> oh, I don't mind being you, but where I came from? No, time out, time out, time out. God said, no, I'm going to send you right back where you came from. And you're going to let my people go. See, he told me, I heard their cry. And I'm looking for somebody that I can send that. But I need a leader. I need somebody that's not afraid to fight. I need somebody that has been trained and equipped and that will obey me. See, he wasn't looking at his record. He was looking at his heart. 
And your heart always trumps your record or your history of your negative situation. God needs faith, but he had to get, you know, Moses in faith, got to get Abraham in faith, Joshua in faith, Gideon in faith. So all these folks had to get in cooperation, okay, and not fear. Moses said, I couldn't talk. God changed it. Same thing with Abraham. God had to fix these situations, right? But here's what he says. Look at this. Romans 4, 20. He staggered not at the promise that God through unbelief, but was what? Okay, strong in faith, giving what? Okay, notice he staggered not at the what? Okay, so when I stagger at the promise of God, what is it called? Unbelief, okay. And that's what we got to stop. Everybody say stop the stagger. We're not staggering at the, no, we believe the promise is coming to pass in my life. So he says, I can't consider my natural circumstances. God is bigger than your circumstances. You know, we say he can do all things greater as he that's in me. Well, when are we going to start believing? Is God bigger than the viruses? Somebody need to get on TV and tell them folks. And and just so so you understand, most of the people got sick, they're recovering. Now, there are plenty of people, you know, one death is more than enough. There are people who are dying, unfortunately, uh, and... We are praying for them and their families and loved ones. So we definitely, our hearts are towards those who are sick and suffering. But they don't quote the percentage of people who recover. It's like 98, 99%. Talk about America, I don't know about the other countries. But my point is, most of the people are recovering. But the way they make it safe is like a death sentence. Well, if it's a death sentence, how is 99% of the people recover? And what, what I, as I said before, what they need to deal with is that other spirit called the, the common flu. Because I heard about 60,000, 70,000 people a year dying from that. I couldn't believe it. You know, people are dying from all sickness. But my point is, so we got to get the word out to let people know God loves you. Yeah, he's a healer. He'll save you. He'll do, but somebody's got to tell the good news. Because if all you hear is bad news, guess what? It'll, it'll stop the production of God in your life. It'll stop you from leaving your house. And I'm not saying not to be wise, but I'm saying you got to live. Yeah. And you can't live in fear. Yeah. And that'll have you afraid to leave. Yeah. Afraid to trust God. But guess what? I was at the supermarket yesterday. It was packed. <laughs> Every time I go to Costco, they ain't staying home. He was like, I don't know if I can come to church. Go oh, tell them at Costco. Go tell them at the supermarket. I don't know if I'm gonna come out. Everybody else is out. Time to come out the closet in a good way. Not the way the world is, but I'm talking about the way coming out of fear. Come out the house. Get some fresh air. Walk down the street. You ain't gonna die. You don't have to touch nobody, don't see them, don't, don't shake hands. You know, we worshiping God. We don't have to, you know, we, we know we love everybody, but we don't have to hug and all that. We'll give it a little break. So I ain't praying for you. I still need to worship. I need to get my praise on. I need to get my worship. I got to get the word on. See, I need the faith so I can live another week in God. I need to be around the saints. I don't care if you're 10 feet away. I'll just praise God and go on home together. But ain't no way that devil gonna have Costco open the church gonna be shut down. <laughs> Amen. Never shopping, spending money. <laughs> okay, we got to come to church with masks on and gloves. Come on, let's get here and worship God. Hallelujah. My God bigger than this. Yeah, that God is he shrunk down in a little box somewhere, he's high. God is on the throne. He hasn't lost his job. He's not supposed to. It was he sent plagues to Egypt. But it didn't come to Goshen where the saints were living. Come on, glory to God. We got to read the Bible. Jesus laid hands on the sick and they recovered. He raised the dead, opened the blind eye. The deaf, you know, here, the dumb began to speak. The lepers were cleansed. And saints are running. I'm not saying not to use wisdom, but don't be afraid. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Somebody say hallelujah. Amen. 
So look at this verse 20. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God and being, everybody say, fully persuaded. That what he was, what he promised, he was able to perform. Everybody say, God made me a promise. All right, go to 2 Timothy 1 7. Let's wrap this up. I want you to live in faith. That's God's plan. Hallelujah. Everybody say, no fear here. We're full of faith, man. We got the, we got the word of God. We will not fear. We're going to believe the word of the Lord. Amen. And help everybody else that we can as the Lord leads. But we have wisdom. Amen. Because many folks, some folks, people still got to go to work. They're not giving them a pass. Some folks get to stay home. Other folks got to go to work. What are you going to say to them? But we can't come to church for hours? Let the church say amen. amen. Are we saved or what? <laughs> I don't care if we rotate. You come this week, I come next week. We'll let everything. Keep the church going. <laughs> We can put we put on rotating shifts, amen. <laughs> Come on, say hallelujah. And I'm just saying, what would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? Talk to me, saints. Come on, he gonna he gonna keep obeying the plan of prayer. Amen. I'm trying to tell you, he got how I many know God is love, right? So he loves us all. He's not gonna you know cause things that are not gonna work out for your good. So look at this, Second Timothy one seven. As we wrap this up. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of what? Power, love, and of a what? Sound mind. All right. Go to Mark 6. And we'll finish again next week, but we'll close out with this. Everybody say the just shall live by faith. So we got the promise of God. Remember, God is going to cause you to have more than enough in abundance. And here's the key. This is what we're coming against. That unbelief. Mark 6, verse 5 and 6. It said... And he could do there no mighty work. This is Jesus. Except he laid his hands on a few sick folk and healed them. And Jesus marveled because of what? Their unbelief. Okay. And he went around about the village doing what? Okay. So he couldn't do more than he, like he wanted because of what? So what stops the power of God? Now, see, faith releases the power. Unbelief stops so if the power ever flows in your life, it'll keep flowing until unbelief gets in. Until you start considering your body, you start considering your circumstances, you start considering what's going on, and all of a sudden now, you get out of faith. Was Peter walking on what? Okay. Uh, he said, Jesus said what? Bid me to come. Peter says, Jesus said, come. He got out of the boat. Did he start walking to Jesus? Okay. Uh, was he walking on what? Was Jesus walking on water? Okay, so as long as Peter looked at Jesus, did he keep walking on the water? But the Bible says he took his eyes off the word of God and he put his eyes on his circumstance. He considered the wind and the wave. By the way, they were the same wind and wave that was blowing when he was in the boat. So it wasn't like they disappeared. Jesus called him in the middle of a wind and wave situation. He'll call you in the middle of your circumstance and tell you to come up where I am. He'll raise you up from the dunghill and put you in a palace. He'll change your circumstances overnight. If you can just trust God, that greater is he that you got a king living in you. And he told Peter, okay, you want the best? Step out. Now, everybody else could have followed Peter, but remember, it's got to be a rainbow word to you. Who asked Jesus? Who did Jesus speak to? Now, the rest of them could have tried it, but they would have sunk. Because that word was not for them. And you're going to do things other people cannot do. Because you're going to hear the word of God for your life. And that's the word. You don't need a word for, get a word for your own life. What are you calling me to do, Jesus? Peter said, bid me, 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 not them. Bid me to come. Somebody say hallelujah. Let me come out there with you, Jesus. See, it's a desire that was in his heart that he wanted to be what Jesus did. He wanted to walk like Jesus. 
And Jesus says, come. In the middle of a storm, the waves are blowing. It's not, well, Jesus, I tell you what, Jesus, let me get everything taken care of first. Then maybe I can try it later when things are more convenient. Right now, I got a lot going on in my life, Jesus. I don't need you calling me right now. Amen. <laughs> but Jesus doesn't care about what's going on in your life. He wants to change your life. Trying to give you a new life. Right? So he says, okay, Peter, you ask, here it is. Jesus said what? Come. Did Jesus come to the boat and help? Now, come on, little Peter. Now, you know it's a little windy out here. Now, you come on, step down. Jesus is over there. If you want it, come get it. Somebody say, see, how bad do you want it? You say you want it, get out the boat. I believe I can do all things. Get out the boat. Prayer is he that sent me. Get out the boat. By his stripes, I'm here. Get out the boat. <laughs> And I'm just saying, the scriptures aren't good, but when it's alive, see, the word is quick and powerful. Here's what it is. The word quickens you to get out. See, he couldn't get out without the word. When the word came, that was the quickening power of God. That was the rhema he needed because he wasn't walking on the water. He was walking on the word. Because it was the word that made the water. And as long as he had the word, he could overcome the water, the winds, the storms, the way. Because he has something greater than the water. He says, these works and greater works. He said, come. Jesus on the other side, what did he say? Come. And the rain of word he heard. See, he heard that word. And he said, I will. He gets out of the boat. How do you get out of the boat? And I mean, you gotta understand, Peter never walked on water. This is the first time they see Jesus walking on water. And here's Peter. He's been a fisherman all his life. I ain't never seen anything like this. But if it's you, Lord. So he said, if it's you, Jesus, bid me to come. He said, I will come. God wants to you to enjoy the lifestyle he lives. Come up where I am. Live in abundance. Live in luxury. Live in health and healing. Live in holiness. When you see Jesus do something, he's telling you, come. Glory to God. Peter said, okay. Gets out the boat. And this is what I love. Not for a moment did he think about the wind and the wind. Not concerned. Who was he looking at? Now here's the key. Here's what you say. He couldn't see Jesus. You not you wouldn't have to ask if it's you, baby come. If he could have saw him clearly, he would have known him was Jesus. The Bible said he walked right by the boat and was going past him. <laughs> Jesus was on a mission. But my point is, he couldn't see Jesus clearly. There was wind and wave. He's out in the little sea, tossed to and fro. But he heard the voice of God calling him to step out. The voice of the good shepherd. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. And when he heard the voice, he said, come. All he heard was the voice of Jesus. And today, all you need is the voice of Jesus. The same voice Peter heard is the same voice talking to you and me, saying, come, move up, left, right. He said, go forward. And all of a sudden, he begins to walk on water. A miracle. He's going to Jesus. But the Bible says something happened. Now you gotta understand, Jesus is a little ways off. So he had to walk for a little bit of time. But then all of a sudden, you know, he started looking around. He said, I got this. <laughs> you better hold on to your faith. 
He was doing great until he started looking. But how do you look at the winds and the waves? Everybody say, you got to take your eyes off Jesus. See, the moment he took his eyes off of Jesus, what happened? He began to sink. Not sunk. I don't know how you begin to sink, but he was going down. <laughs> he began to sink. How do you begin to sink? But here's what happens. Jesus reached out and touched him. So did he almost, I mean, basically he was there, right? <laughs> I mean, Jesus reached out and touched him. And, and kept, Jesus didn't walk back. Let me catch you now. I believe he was right in front of Jesus. And I believe he started looking at what God did to him. And that's when the fall began to happen. Instead of thinking and keeping his eyes on Jesus, all of a sudden now he began to fall. But here's the point I want you to make. He did the supernatural. I don't care if he walked for five feet, a hundred feet, twenty feet, he walked. And he kept walking as long as he kept looking at Jesus. And here's the point I want you to see. Jesus is the reason that we walk by faith. That's why we don't have to fear. We just read, he's not giving us what? Spirit of fear, but of what? Power, love, and of what? Everybody say the name of Jesus. Close your Bibles. We're done. We'll finish next week. Come on, get God praise. Hallelujah. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit.